Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. We're in Isaiah chapter 1. If you would look at that, um, we've been talking now uh, for the better part of a couple of months, a little over a month, talking about, about soul willingness. We're getting to the, the, the part you have to chew on a little bit because part of what you have to chew on in, in these areas is your responsibility to set your mind. And, and that's kind of where we are today. So let's pray together and then we'll get started. Father, we do thank you today for this time. We bless you, Lord God, for your word. We just ask, Lord, that as your Holy Spirit lives in us, Father, that he will give us great direction. He will give us understanding, Father. He will show us his understanding of your word. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So in in Isaiah chapter 1, Isaiah talks and... I never know how much of this to give everybody. Um, Old Testament things for us as New Testament Christians um, are a little bit different. Most of the Old Testament wasn't specifically written for us, but rather it was written about the, the Jews and God's chosen people. Inside of that are the principles that, that transfer reasonably well to New Testament Christianity. The, the basic idea that God showed his people who he was by how he dealt with them. And we can see that as principles. You can't lay it over the top and say, because they did it, we have to do it. Because if you did that, then you'd still be sacrificing animals hoping to get God's attention. If you did that, you'd still be living in tents uh, for a celebration one week out of the year and, and so forth. You would have all kinds of things that they did that we don't and, and in my opinion, opinion, shouldn't and shouldn't do. And so you have to see Old Testament things as a principal revelation rather than a, a, a revelation of this is how you have to do it. So it's really not about doing, it's about being. And, and that's really where we are today. So notice if you would please, in verse number 19, just that passage we're talking about, it says, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. We've talked about being willing. We've seen that as just this positive inclination to respond to authority. Remember, willingness is tested in the laboratory of authority. You do not get to test your willingness in the laboratory of everything going well. You get to test your willingness in the laboratory of authority. When God speaks to you and he gives you instruction or he gives you the way to do things, your willingness will be tested because much of what God asks us to do doesn't have an immediate result, but rather is a part of his plan for us throughout the, throughout the time. So he will develop something in our character through difficulties or through good times, but oftentimes it's difficulties because people complain about the difficulty and sometimes shut themselves off from the, from the, the significance that God wants to give them. But anyway, that laboratory of, of, of authority is extraordinarily important when we talk about, about willingness. Remember, obedience and complaining run really well together, but it's not God's plan. Not God's plan for us to be to be. Uh, uh, obedient and complain all the way there. <laughs> and yet, we go through things that without, 
can, 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 I, can I tell you one of the most significant lost principles of evangelism is our position that God wants us to be in to not be complainers and murmurers. We live as Christians in a sin-darkened world and we complain consistently when the, church, when the world doesn't look like us. Why do we have to go through this? Why are these things happening? You know, our guy didn't get elected. They got this crazy pandemic thing. And I don't want to keep beating that horse. I just want you to recognize that in, in my life, I failed a lot of those obedience tests because of my complaining. I'm going to teach in the main service today that there's a, the, the first king of the split kingdoms, the, the first king of Judah, um, he did evil in the sight of the Lord for one specific reason. He did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. <laughs> now, this is the guy who said to the other people, 10 tribes went north and, and I don't remember what that king's name was, Jeroboam, Jeroboam and Rehoboam. And he kept the two and then in, in his situation, he decided he'd go up and attack the rest of, of Israel or, or, the, or the kingdom of Israel. And he's going, if you're outnumbered 10 to 2 and you don't get God's word on this thing, you're in trouble. And, and so he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't set his heart to seek the Lord. It didn't go well for him. And, and so anyway, uh, we're going to talk about that. But then again, willingness is really the opposite of rebellion. Rebellion in of itself is not a problem that you can identify by saying, well, I'll never rebel at God again. No, see, you have to replace that with a willingness that says, I am willing to hear God's voice and to do it. And then you need to add, see, willingness says, I'm not going to murmur and complain my way through it. Okay, I thought it'd go over that well. So then we talked about the land. And the land is anything under the dominion of God. Now, remember that the God of this world is Satan. But the dominion of this world was given to the children of men. See, if you don't get this right, you'll say, well, we just don't have any choice. Satan is running everything. First of all, so many people pay so much attention to what Satan is doing that they forgot what God's already told them. And remember, if you're complaining about what the devil does, you're not praising about what God does. You'll eat the good of the land. What I want to start focusing on is good. It really means joyful beauty. And I want to challenge you in a time of winter setting in around here to see the beauty. You say, well, it's all gray, it's all brown, there's, there's snow, and then, and then they, 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 they throw mud on top of the snow, and the roads are bad. And My point in all of this is God calls what we see in his land good. He calls it joyful beauty. He calls it things that we have to see through his eyes to agree with him. It actually takes discernment to see good. Because we live in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a spiritual society that is being bombarded every day. If you watch much TV, you'll be tempted to buy something that isn't worth whatever they're selling it for. Because they will bombard you 
with images to get you to think. And what you think about, you will eventually pursue. What you think about, you will eventually pursue. Do you know that if you want to get even, if you've had something done bad to you, for you to get even, you've got to descend away from God's level and be even with society? When you desire punishment for evil, you've got to descend from God's position of grace down to being equal with the world that says, I owe you. If you can't see the good of the land, you will not be able to see that God designed you to live in a state of spiritual blessing. A state of spiritual, when you say, well, pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. You're right. By the way, everybody that you pass is going through something that you have no understanding of and may not have any grace for. Okay. When you're in the grocery store and some little two-year-old is pitching a fit and you say in your mind, he just needs his backside warmed up. The struggle that that mom is having is something you know nothing about, but you think you know how to parent a two-year-old or four-year-old or 40-year-old. <laughs> Who's ever being immature? You, you understand, we live in a world where maturity is optional. The love of God says we choose to see the best in people. Love never takes consideration for wrong suffered. That's crazy. If you take consideration for wrong suffering, you have a love of God problem. See, the world... I listened to a podcast the other day, and they interviewed one of the leading psychiatrists in America today. And they ask him, where does the problem lie for all of the difficulties that our society is facing? And that quick, you want to know what he said? He said, psychiatrists. I went, what? He said, we've defined people's problems to support our industry. You understand that I love this kind of stuff because, see, in, in my mind, after I stopped worshiping basketball and began to worship money, which was a great transition for me because there are lots of ways to make a lot of money. And one of the best ways to make money is to get people to pay you to do something for them and then to get them locked in to continue to come back. Right? I mean, who was that that we heard that they, they cut the legs off their bed? Do you remember what? We, Tracy and I listened to we don't really have a TV. If you don't have a TV, you've got to decide what you're going to do with your time. Can't just sit there mindlessly and do that. So anyway, this guy went to a psychiatrist and said, and, and asked the question. He says, can you help me? And he says, well, what's your problem? He says, well, every time I, I lay down and, 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 and I, I go to bed, he says, I get scared of the things that live under my bed. The psychiatrist said, you know, if you'll come to me, I can solve that in appointments once a month for the next year. He said, well, what do you charge? He said, $80. So $1,000 later, he might have victory over this. He was telling his neighbor about it. His neighbor says, I have a solution and I won't charge you anything. And his neighbor cut the legs off his bed.
There's no space under the bed for the imaginary things to live when you cut the legs off. Free. See, we have all kinds of people today, and the society that you all and me too complain about has been developed by people giving it a name and people thinking about it. I grew up, and I'm old, okay, so just, just, you know, watch online and send me nasty emails, whatever. I never once considered being a girl. Not one time. But now, societal evolution, praise God for that, do you understand that if it's survival of the fittest, all the crazy people should have died? Boom. <laughs> if you struggle, where did you get the language for that? Somebody had to teach you what to focus on. So now we focus on the bad of the enemy rather than the good of our God. And then we tell people, stop doing the bad. Come to church, we'll tell you what's wrong with you and how bad you are. And come back next week and we'll tell you the same thing because we never expect you to change. And you say, well, what do you need to change into? You need to change into understanding the good of the land. God designed us to live in a spiritual blessing consistently, continually. You say, well, if I can just get my way, I'd feel better about things. Well, first of all, good luck with that. And second of all, you're not. Get your way. Where's that scripture? There's a scripture. I just read it this week. Didn't think I was going to use it. I just found it interesting. Where, where the prophet is saying to the people, he said, it's not in the heart of man to know his own steps. Man doesn't know what he's doing without God. But we think we know what we're doing. And somebody has taught us to think about those things. And no one has taught, no one. The struggle that we have in living in the world we live in is that it looks like that the devil is stronger than God and that bad things always happen. The question, why, does bad, why do bad things happen to good people? Because goodness doesn't, your personal goodness does not produce the goodness of God. You can't live right enough to have everything go right. You have to choose to see by perspective that God said, by Jesus Christ, you will live in a state of spiritual blessing. That's the good of the land. Okay, so how do we then accept God's definitions given to the willing? He says, if you are willing and obedient, the church, the church has most of the obedience thing handled, right? Some of us come to church out of obedience. Do you know how different the church would be if everybody came getting ready to hook up to the same tug of war rope? And decided, blessed be Jesus forevermore, I'm grabbing onto this thing, we're all going to pull together. If we came to church expecting the good, rather than saying, well, you know what I went through? I went through these terrible things. Yep, I've gone through some terrible things. Things I wouldn't sign up for. Things I didn't want to go to. Things I complained about regularly. And I can't find any blessing attached to my complaining. 
But when I remove the complaining and just look at what I go through, I see spiritual blessing attached to everything I went through. Now, isn't it funny that people always tell you about their negative stuff to tell you what they went through? Can I tell you that after 40 years of preaching, coming into this this occupation, for lack of a better way to say it, I assumed I would be underpaid and die a poor man. I assumed the worst. And this church, and my first church was generous. Our first church was generous to us as well. Do you know that I blow the statistical averages out of the water? The average pastor stays from 18 months to three and a half years. And they leave. Statistically, you don't even get a voice in your church till you've been there five years. And you don't get influence until you've been there seven years. That's human ways. And I've been here longer than that. And you've been putting up with me. And whatever you think my weaknesses are, I've lived those out in front of you. My point is, you can say, well, yes, you know, our pastor is either really good or really bad. And it just depends on how you hear me on any given day. If I step on your toes, you say, well, dear God, I didn't come for that. Well, what do you want somebody to do? You want them to pat you on the back and tell you how good you're doing? Because most of us are not doing the good because we're spending too much time watching the bad. We get a regular dose of bad. And can I just step out on a limb and let you and hand you the saw? If you watch Christian news you'll get a good dose of bad. Because they'll just tell you the world is terrible. First of all, that's not news. It's not news. Sinners are going to sin. That's just what they do. You say, well, yeah, but pastor, we got to tell them. They know they're sinning. They ha- Listen, unless you're a psychopath, you have a conscience that tells you some of this stuff isn't good. Why don't we tell people what good is? How do we align ourselves with the definitions given to the willing. He says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll see the good of the land. How do we get people to see the good? How do we get us to see? I'm I'm not talking about when things go well. I'm talking about every day, regardless of how things go. Are you tracking with me? You still okay? I mean, you kind of halfway like me because I'm getting ready to really step on your toes. All right. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Philippians, chapter 2. Philippians, chapter 2. If you think I went slow leading up to this, just hang on. We are going to creep our way into this understanding. Because you see, a great portion of what we've been taught has been taught in a way for us to expect the results that we want rather than to expect the results that God is offering. The results God is offering is good. He has no ability to be bad. See, God isn't doing bad stuff. You say, well, yeah, but we go through bad all the time. It's your perception and your focus. We went out to eat yesterday with one of our family members at a particular restaurant. And we were there for an hour. There were three tables in the restaurant. And we were there for an hour. No food. Yeah, oops. 
How many of you ever been in that situation? How many ever said something like this? Did they have to find a cow to kill? Did the cook die? Why isn't somebody taking care of me? Why didn't I get what I want? It, they're all reasonable. But you understand that when people don't serve us, we have an attitude that runs over into our mouth and comes out telling everybody around us that we don't live what we say or what we say we are. There's nothing uglier than a Christian acting like the devil. <laughs> you say, yeah, I know a lot of people like that. Forget thinking about other people. Do you know you like that? Are you the one who pitches the attitude, who has the struggle, who says things they shouldn't? Well, not very often, Pastor. Don't talk to me about not very often, ever. Is complaining your go-to emotional response to what's happening? You say, well, I can't do that, Pastor. And then people tell me what they go through. Like, you know, I live a charmed life. You all know that, right? I mean, my life is charmed. We got no family issues. There's no sickness come nigh our dwelling. My knees work fine. Your family will encourage you to be ungodly. They will. I got up last night to hug some of our kids that are leaving our house. And one of them said to me, don't get up, Papa. I'm getting up. Bless God, I'm getting up. And I'm still in an argument with myself over whether or not I'm going to trust God and just smile at the doctors. I went to a doctor's appointment this week. You all got time for this? I went to a doctor's appointment this week and that doctor talked in circles. I told him when I went in there, by revelation and experience, what was wrong with me. How many of you ever done that with a doctor? Okay, I've done that a time or two. First time it happened to me, it was by revelation only. Second time it happened to me, on the other leg, it was by revelation and experience. And I told him, I said, I have a torn meniscus. Well, he said, we'll see about that. So I told him, I, 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 he, he said, well, lay down there. And, he, you know, he started pushing around on you. And if you have any, any anatomical knowledge as, as a, a, a sufferer of arthropain, why, you know that certain areas, when somebody touches it, it'll set you right up in your chair. Does this hurt? <laughs> you know? Yeah, right there. That's it. He says, yeah, I think you got a torn meniscus. I said, yeah, I told you that. Let's get this done. Go call the guy right now. It's a 15-minute surgery, for heaven's sake. Puff this knee up with fluid and cut that dude out of there. Let's go. Let's do it today. How many of you know that being in a rush is not an expression of the fruit of patience? And the fruit of the Spirit is singular, but every little... Um, section of that fruit that you peel off is attached to the others. And if you don't have one of those fruits displaying itself in your life, it's because you ignored that section of who God is in your life. Aren't you thrilled by that one? See, you've got to get to the place where you do what Philippians 2 says. How many of you recognize that we're not trying to go, grow up into the best image we can make of ourselves? You're not trying to become what you believe you would be good at. 
In fact, let me just point something out to you. When you get, how many of you are scared of public speaking? I'm not standing up in front of anybody. Do you know that when you have that level of fear, it's not something that you have to worry about because if you have that, God said, if you'll trust me, I'll speak for you. You say, well, I still don't want to do it. I didn't ask what you wanted to do. I wanted you to understand that when you recognize where your weakness is, you will automatic, or almost automatically trust God in your weakness. That's what Paul was teaching in 2 Corinthians. He says, I know this man, whether in the spirit or not, you know, all that kind of stuff. And at the end of this, he says, I know now that your power is displayed in my weakness. And yet what the world tells us is, you just stand up and take care of yourself. That's terrible advice. But anyway, how do we get this? How do we get these, 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 how do we accept these definitions? Look at Philippians chapter 2. I told you to turn there, right? You should, we should never take a week off from a subject like this. It's, it's so vitally important. Because the church has lost its saltiness. It's lost its, its, its taste. Because we look too much like the world. We're willing to enter into arguments that God himself is going to solve. And we get frustrated and angry at people when they don't think like us. Verse number five, Philippians chapter two. If you're a Bible underliner or if you're a note taker, get ready to process this with me. It says, let this mind be in you. Now stop for just a second. I'm trying to show you how to accept the definitions that God gives for willing people. Willing people will allow their mind to be functionally transformed by something outside of themselves. Do you understand that the world teaches us that we should get more of the stuff? We should have a bigger house, a better car, more money. I don't know whether I'll share this in the, in the morning service, but I did research and I found an article from Forbes magazine about New Year's resolutions. How many of you ever made a New Year's resolution? Did you know that the average resolution, average now, which means nobody does it, is 3.7 months? Do you know there's actually a resolution quit day? January 17th, 17 days into the month. Do you know that 86% of the people have confidence that they're going to accomplish their resolution? But only 20% set up accountability for that resolution. If you're that sure of it, why don't you submit yourself to the accountability that might help? But here's the killer. 86% are extremely confident this is going to make an impact in the next year, but only 6% actually accomplish whatever the resolution is. Want to know why? Because it's completely dependent on you. It's completely dependent on you. When he says, let this mind be in you, you actually have to get out of the way to allow this to happen. You actually have to get out of the way to let it happen. Let this mind be in you. You allow this. Now he's going to explain it to us. Look at this in verse number five. 
which was also in Christ Jesus. Do you understand that the renewing of your mind into what you want will never fix your problems? I've been doing ministry for 40 years. It's not countless people, but huge numbers of people have come to me to talk about the three things that people make resolutions about. Somewhere close to 90% of you made resolutions about money, health, or fitness. You wanted to lose weight. You wanted to eat better. Can I just point out to you, I don't want to eat better. If I have to eat cardboard to taste like food or food to taste like cardboard, I'm out. I don't want to. Do you know that if you live to 65 years old, you're likely to live past 75? Because the people that are goofing this up are the ones that decide to die early. The average is, is, is miffed by, by people who die early. Right? Nobody lives the average. It's either you're underneath and goofing it up for the rest of us, or you're over that and goofing it up for those of us who think we don't want to die in pain. Are you tracking with me? You have to allow your mind to be transformed by what Jesus thinks about. In this same book, he says, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, and on and on it goes. You know the passage, right? He says, think on these things. He says, mold these things around and mutter these things inside your head. Let this mind that was also in Christ Jesus be in you. Do you see it? Look at the sixth verse. Be who, 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 Jesus, being in the form of God. Now, please don't check out on me. Whose form are you in? Come on, how many of you, you've been with your family. How many of you have had your kids say to you, oh no, I look like dad or I act like mom or I act like dad or I act like mom. We've been taught by the world that the form we're made in is based on biology. My parents got together. You know that, that until my fourth son came along, there wasn't any red hair. And lo and behold, we got a redhead. People say, where'd the redhead come from? Did you all know my dad? His nickname was Big Red. Most of you might have known him as Big Gray because his hair was no longer red. But he was red for the time he was, you know, I mean like fire engine red. And so now, by biology, we recognize hair color, eye color, facial structure, body size or whatever. And we say, well, yeah, we're a product of our parents. You traded your parents in for the lineage of Jesus Christ when you got born again. So don't look at me and say, well, that's Jesus. You know, he was made in the form of God. Uh-huh. And you? We're also made in the form of God. Collectively, we make a perfect picture of God himself. You were made in his image. Please don't consider it robbery to see yourself made in the image of God. Quit devaluing it. It just, 
It irritates me to the point of fleshliness. When people say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I said, you're not very saved if you're still just a sinner. Because I learned right off the bat that when I got saved, I thought different. I tried to act different. I even tried to act different than how God wanted me to be because nobody accepted how God wanted me to be because they wanted me to be in the image that they made me in. My first church, people struggled to me so much. They'd go to Tracy. Tracy's so gracious and merciful. And evidently, I'm not. I don't know. And they would go to Tracy and say, well, Pastor Glenn doesn't even like us. I love you enough to expose you to hard-hitting truth that challenges you. You should actually love me for that rather than hate me for that. Twice in 40 years. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, we're leaving the church. I said, well, do you mind telling me about that? Twice. You know what they said? I'm not being fed. Twice in 40 years. Now, I'll just tell you, it is not possible for you in any church not to be fed. It's not possible. You can refuse to eat, but it's not possible for you not to be fed. That is a self-serving, selfish appointment. Well, what, what they just as well said, we don't like being challenged, and you challenge us every week, and we go home and fight about it. Okay, I understand that I can challenge your marriage to such a point. I mean, how many of you ever heard the statistic that 50% of marriages end up in divorce? It's not true. 86% of the people in the census are married to the first person they got married to when they die. But they extrapolate based on one year or some years and say, well, you know, if we run this forward and if it continues to grow, then 50% of the people are going to get divorced. Just got to point out something to you. That is stupid on steroids. You know, the average person carries a $10,000 credit card debt. $10,000. I'm thinking, well, first of all, how'd they get to that point where they can't pay their bills to, the, to, to an excess of $10,000? And you say, well, I, I don't know how that happened, but it's real, Pastor. It's real. I don't know how I'm going to ever do that. Okay, let this mind be in you. The good of the land represents a position that says we are spiritually blessed, not lustfully desiring. Listen, remember, I, I worshipped basketball and then I worshipped money. I learned an awful lot of things. We financed a business one time on zero coupon bonds where we could pay $10,000 to get $25,000 in 30 years. I, mean, I think that's a good way to do a business. See, the people weren't, 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 they didn't need their money. They're willing to wait 30 years because they got more money than God. And, and so they'll, they'll wait 30 years for their 25,000. What did it cost me to do business? 10 instead of 25. That's a 40% discount. Yay me. <laughs> the world will teach you those kinds of things. But Jesus says, 
owe no man anything or nothing but to love him. And you say, well, I can't do that. Okay, then it won't happen for you because you can't. Can we just remove that from our vocabulary and say, I won't do that? I was shopping for a used car. I buy used cars because it's so noble. I found a used Rolls Royce. I'm thinking, praise God, that's my car. $337,000 for a used car. I thought, how many, how many years of offerings would I have to take up to pay for that? Because God wants me to have a Rolls Royce. And really, it should come with a Rolex. Can I point out to you that our desires short-circuit our mind getting to where Jesus wants it to be? If you want to be willing, you have to think like Jesus, who laid down his life for you. It is, it is painful beyond belief. Because in your marriage, it's a fight to see who wins. In your Christian marriage, it's a fight to see who gets to lay down their life to serve the other. Well, I ain't doing that. My wife got some dumb ideas. I'm not, did you see what I said? Uh, I tried to say, I, I don't want to pick on you guys, but do you, do you understand that it's wired into us as humans? Not to sacrifice, but to watch out for us and get what we can. You've got to allow this mind to be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And did not consider it robbery. This is such a struggle. You are made in the image of God and designed by him to operate in his principles just like he does. You'll never be God. But you're always made equal. People say, that's not true. God is like way higher than us. That isn't what he said. He said, my ways are higher than yours. He didn't say they were beyond finding out. Why don't you just go ahead and ascend right up there and use his ways. Amen. Keep reading. Verse 7. But he made himself. Notice that he submitted himself to the design that was made into him. You have to submit yourself to the design that God made you in. Most of us don't like the design that God made us in. Are you aware of that? Because it's like zombie time. You're walking around as a dead person. Nothing affects you. No, 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 nobody is, is, is affected because they're dead. Well, I got to tell you right now. We took one of our granddaughters shopping and she learned the perils of sales tax. She bought some earrings, $16. And so she put her $16 out there and they said that'll be $18.57 or whatever it was. And she found out that they put sales tax tax on there automatically and her earrings cost her more than $16. And she looks up and she says, I hate taxes. (laughs) She's 10. What do they need that money for? Yeah, you're right. They don't spend it right. I got all kinds of issues with the government. You know, this is a bad deal. They shouldn't get anything. You understand that when you focus on the bad as you perceive it, it's impossible for you to focus on the good. You cannot have those two things. It's cognitive dissonance. The existence of two competing truths in your mind. 
the government is bad, Jesus says, submit to the government. Wait, he didn't mean that. We'll get to that. Because if you're going to be willing, you have to see the good of spiritual blessing. People go, I'm not doing that. Okay. See, I'm not here to judge you or condemn you. But I will tell you that seeing the good of the land will make you a happy camper. Because you'll spend your time being marveled at what God does every day. Every single day. I just find it astounding when I see God work in your lives. And sometimes it takes you all a time. And me too. But, you know, I'm watching. I'm going, man, this is going to be good. We ought to watch this. Let's make a movie out of this because this is really going to be good. And people go, I hate this. I never want to go through this. Pastor, how come do bad things happen to me? After all, I've served him. Quit judging it based on what you do to get God's approval. Judge it on his predetermined good. You say, well, this isn't any good. Okay. May not be. You'll never see it as good if you can't get your focus off of the ugliness of our world. You won't see it good. It's just terrible. It, listen, we're in an election year. You should have a little level of fear and, and, and trembling over this because the world, of, uh, the, 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 the country doesn't think like us. I know you think they're all crazy, but based on the last voting thing, and you can say, oh, well, that got stolen from, just time out. Even if that's true, what do you plan on doing? Well, I plan on complaining, and and that guy that was illegally elected, he's not my president. Okay, congratulations. You're going to have a really hard time for the next four years. Complaining. Because there is no reward in heaven for complaining. Notice in verse 7, he said, he made himself of no reputation. I'm telling you what, this is hard. You know how many people who don't know who I am come up and tell me things about the church I pastor? You know, I heard out there at that New Life Church. It happened a lot in Imperial because our church was basically dead when Tracy and I went there. And we were just young enough to think, well, praise God. God wants to do this. Let's go. Get out of the way and let's let God do these things. And, you know, we had a satellite. They had a satellite dish out there. So our church was called the Church of the Holy Disc. (laughs) You know, and crazy stuff happened there. Like people got prayed for and ended up on the ground. You know, they're out there pushing people down. Out there praying in the language. Nobody understands. Those people are crazy. It'll get you going. And all of a sudden, what do you do? You step into God's position as your lawyer. And you begin to defend yourself and your church. And then you complain about the ignorant people in the world. I'm using this example because this was me. I have the spiritual gift of seeing stupid people. I recognize them everywhere I went. You say, yeah, I have that. It doesn't exist. This is you judging people who aren't like you. He did not consider it robbery, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, a chosen slave. A chosen slave. Here's your first principle, and I'll close with this. If you want to accept God's definitions that comes with willingness, 
you must allow your mind to be transformed. You cannot hold on to your opinions and your ideas stronger than your willingness to allow God to change how you think. Amen? Because if you're going to be willing, you're going to have to change how you think. Come on, how many of you say, how many of you, we stayed in a hotel with one of our families. Sorry, I know I'm 30 seconds over. Don't cut me off. How many of you have ever been in an elevator and the doors didn't close quick enough and you pushed your button again? Statistically, that happens after eight seconds. People are uncomfortable waiting eight seconds for the elevator to work. I don't know if you've ever timed it, but the elevators are generally in the center of a building and the stairs are normally on the end. I don't know how long it takes you to walk, but if you walk from the middle of a hotel by 15 rooms, let's say, to find the stairs and then walk up one flight of stairs, you simply cannot do that in eight seconds. But what do we do? Well, that elevator's so slow, I'm going to take the stairs. You probably ought to take the stairs because of your New Year's resolution of getting in more fitness. <laughs> you see, we have these ideas. How is it supposed to work? Amen. Father, thank you for this day. We just bless you, Lord God. We ask you, Father, to continue to show us these principles that allow us to be willing. We thank you for it because we want to see the good of the land, Father. We want to live in that position of spiritual blessing. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch sermon slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.